everybody. Welcome to Let's Talk About Thrones with your hosts, Sir Anthony of Winterfell, Sir Richard of River Run, even though he doesn't know what that means, and Jenny of Tarth. Uh, <laughs> this is a show where we do something that no one else on the internet has ever done, which is recap a TV show that we've all, most of us, already seen and uh, have a little fun with it. And uh, if the title of this show seems somewhat familiar, it's because... One of us, and I'm not going to say who, is also on a show called Let's Talk About Star Wars with two other fine gentlemen of the internet. And so uh, those fine gentlemen have kindly agreed to let us become a franchise. So welcome to the Let's Talk About Thrones episode one. <laughs> one. What do you guys think? That, that's the ti- that's, that's got to be the title right there. Episode one? 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I hope you guys are doing well today. Um, Indeed, it's a glorious day here uh, in King's Landing. Is, is that where, is that where we are right now? We're in oh, King's sure. Landing? I don't know. Uh, the uh, the waves are crashing upon the shore. The yes. the knights are uh, are mounting the parapets, and all the ladies are swimming in the river. I just read that actually again. Um, <laughs> so each of us is going to. If you didn't get this by now, we're all watching game of thrones uh anthony and i sir anthony and i are watching it again sir richard is watching it for the very first time so he has no idea what a sir is he doesn't know where river run is (laughs) and half the things we're going to say are going to be confusing and the other half are going to be coded spoilers so sorry in advance i'm going to say that every episode now (laughs) that's richard Wait, 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 wait. You are apologizing for my contribution? (laughs) No, I'm apologizing for how much we're going to ruin your experience of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the intent is you're going to try not to. Try. There is no try. We're going to ruin it. Uh, Wait, wrong show. Yeah, something is bound to slip out eventually. Um, Yeah, I mean, I, I was already thinking through what we're going to do here. And I was thinking, how am I going to say these things without totally ruining Richard's good time? So uh, for those of you who have seen the series before, you will enjoy our attempt at coded references and the rest of you will be confused. Um, So uh, Anthony, on the other hand, Anthony of Winterfell, where it's cold, 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 um, is looking at Game of Thrones from a production standpoint. Uh, what are the visuals? How is it directed? You tell us a little bit about that, Anthony. Well, one of the things that I want to look at is not only the the amazing locations that they're going to and that they're filming at, but also how they film it and what angles they're using, what what uh, special effects they're using. Which, luckily, this episode we're going to talk about the first two episodes of the show, and there aren't a whole lot of uh, uh, special effects that that went on in this one. Some some minor stuff, but. Um, some of the locations are just amazing, and the whole production value of the show that's one thing that sets this show apart is they did not skimp on anything it's it's top notch all the way well, I might argue except the titles i'm disappointed in the titles, considering all the amazing title sequences i've seen from h b o shows wait you don't like the dun, 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 dun. You, you don't like the the title sequence I think the video effects in the title sequence are disappointing compared to some of the amazing stuff that's out there now. Compared Get to Westworld. Get off the podcast! Westworld <laughs> West is amazing. That, that sequence is amazing. I just, I'm just, I wanted more. I wanted more. 
Send your comments to feedback at Let's Talk About Thrones. Dot com. <laughs> Send your comments to Richard at. So, so, so the first thing, the first uh, nearly spoiler thing that we're going to cover then, obviously, has to be that, Richard, when you're watching the episodes, you can't skip the visuals at the beginning. You have yeah. to watch it because there are clues about the episode every, um, every time that they show that title sequence. Ooh. Okay. That's good to know. That's, I did not know that. I was not aware of that. So that's, I will. I will keep track of that. Anytime they go to a new location, they will actually show that location somewhere in that sequence. And can we talk about how amazing those titles are with all their little intricate jewel box things going on and doing... Richard, we have to have uh, a talk. Uh, uh, I feel... Uh, I don't know. I feel like I saw this title sequence already in Tyrant. Mm. Mm-mm. You're a know. good friend, Whatever. and that's the only reason why we're still talking. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's hold this thought. Uh, and I will well, just no, wait tell a you what's your no, perspective. No, no. Hold what it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold the thought because we haven't told anyone what I'm looking at it from. And right. I promise that right. when we get to the section of the show marked episode O the day, we're going to talk about this in great detail. Okay. <laughs> All right. I promise it'll be the second thing we talk about. Uh, anyway, just to say quickly, I, Jenny of Tarth, am going to try to, and I will fail, uh, read each episode. I'll watch each episode again, and I will read the corresponding sections of the book. Now, in the beginning, in season one, this is going to be super easy, and it was actually for the first two episodes. Uh, it will become hilariously more difficult as the time goes on. So that's all I'm going to say about that. All of these things are true. All right. Anything else we want to say before we dive into the first ever episode of Game O Thrones? I'm I, no, no. I think we're good because I'm really looking forward to listening to Richard's reaction, Sir Richard's reactions on how, like, how how it starts out. It, I, yeah. Gosh, let's just go into the intro. Yep. All right. Well, I, I think as we will establish precedent, we are always going to let the newbie go first, mostly mm-hmm. so we can laugh. Okay, Richard, <laughs> take it away. Give us from the opening of the show to say the to the end of the titles. How about that? Opening of the show to the end of the titles? Yeah, the cold open like, of the show, right? So you watched episode one, okay, and there was like all, a very literal cold open. Yeah, right? exa- I was going to say, yeah. how, how is that that a show actually, I love it when, a, when a brand new show just starts with a cold open and just, let's just jump into the story. Let's not go through any title sequence, giving you any hints or anything else. Just here's a cold open, boom, go, it's make it happen. It's also a cold open. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. <laughs> We get it, Jenny. No, I'm going to keep saying it. You guys, it's a cold <laughs> open. I'm married to the king of repetition comedy. This is going to happen a lot. Um, okay, and then just to the end of the title sequences that you seem to decry with such ferocity. Uh, okay, Richard. I was impressed with it. No, tell us, yeah. I, I liked it. I love that it just started. It just dove right in. I thought that was amazing. I didn't expect that because it's the premiere episode. You figure that... You're just going to start with the titles and then set things up. But no, instead, you start with this really strange scene where you're you're not quite sure exactly what happened. Turns out to be kind of horrifying. And then, boom, titles. And then you don't really have a clue what that had to do anything with when you actually start the show. Right. 
I mean, if there's anything The it. Wire taught HBO, it was like, just do it and they'll figure it out eventually. That was my my <laughs> takeaway is like, after The Wire, there was never again a show on HBO that felt it had to explain itself in the pilot. <laughs> yeah, this this was one of those things, this, this cold <laughs> open, you jump in, directly into the story and you're you're going at it. Um, not knowing anything about the history of the, of the world, not knowing the political climate, not knowing why they're riding through a gate, through a huge wall into... I don't even know if you can see the wall, right? It, it didn't even show the wall initially. It's a couple shots in. It takes a couple and, shots to show a small portion of the wall. Right. And then, you know, they're, they, they, got, they have bodies just laying on the ground, and you're not sure why they're there. It's just there's so many why questions immediately going into the show. It's also a horror movie. Like, let's just like the the right. first seven minutes of this are a horror movie to the point where I'm like, I'm really glad I'm not alone right now watching this. Like, I couldn't even watch it the first time. And only now can I even get through it because damn. Yeah. Yeah. When, when the when the little girl pops up and <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it's. <laughs> So it, 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 it reminded me of so many Japanese horrors that that one little scene where she just looks over and her eyes are blue and you, you as a viewer you still don't know what's going on with it but you know it's important like there's there's only one color there's black white and this bright blue in the entire first seven minutes of the of the show and it's like okay well that's I got a key in on that yeah also it's gross things are <laughs> missing and red and yeah <laughs> when i first saw this yeah. i was like and i hadn't read the books when i first saw the tv show i was like i'm not gonna like this i'm not gonna like this and i, I like walked away nervously and matt was like come back it's my husband <laughs> the king of repetition comedy um so yeah so i i want to hear about the production standpoint because like it's pretty intense and also like they use a lot of a lot of low angles which um one of the things about the low angle when you're when you're watching cinema a lot of times you're watching it from a almost a, a three-quarter view you know above you kind of get almost a god's eye view or or you're looking from below up at the characters when you get a, a at eye level view it really involves you in the story it puts you directly into the story and uh it makes no qualms about the environment is massive because, first of all, all the visuals show this this uh, almost a, like a white mist that just goes on forever. There's no edge. There's no hard boundaries or anything else going through it. And then you start looking at the the cinema of it of going through the forest. There's no big chase scenes until the very end. Like the the way that they film the scene, it kind of goes in nice and slow, and you kind of mysterious. There's no real talking about it. Until well, something's happening, and they don't even show you what it is right off right off the bat. It's off the screen, and they split up, and it's just the way that they produce this section of it. It makes you feel like you're actually there. Yeah, and I like one of the things I got from. So what I did was I watched the TV show at the same time as I read the book because I had rewatched this series already prior to season seven. So mm -hmm. this time I just sort of did a two screen experience, but one of those screens was the book. And w this really interesting thing I noticed, which is basically you think based on the way the book goes, that the TV version of this cold open is very economical, a lot of less, a lot less words. Mm. It seems like a lot less passage of time. They're much closer to the wall. Mm -hmm. And yet, they totally track 
like the first 10 pages. Now I'm reading it on Kindle, right? So they're weird pages. They're not quite, the pages aren't quite right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the first 10 Kindle (laughs) pages are the cold open. And Mm. the cold open goes on for like seven and a half minutes. So that really almost tracks to a minute a page. And what they're actually taking up the time with instead of words, 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 are these incredible visuals. They are doing exactly what television is meant to do, which is tell a story through what you see and keep only the best of those incredible lines from the book. And one thing that I noticed going from, you know, what I remember the books into the show, there there were a few differences, minor, very minor differences. Like instead of climbing the mound, he actually climbs a tree in the books, right? I think. Yeah. Um, little, little things like that. The, the stuff that they changed was so subtle that if you weren't specifically looking for it, you might miss it completely. And they built this ambiance during that entire time that the dialogue initially does in the book, that the, just the overall scenery does in the show. We were spending a lot of time in this cold I open. I know, because it's a cold <laughs> open. Well, we'll breeze through episode one a little faster. But all right, Richard, it's time. There's a hard cut in both the literal and the uh, what's happening on screens sense. And then we go into these opening Ouch. titles, which you say you hate. Please explain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. I kind of already gave my thoughts on this, but I feel like there wasn't a whole lot of anything original in the titles that I could detect. Now, the fact that you're saying that they actually give off clues, that's something that I need to watch more carefully. But the whole thing with the CGI uh, mechanical gear and and box nature of these things popping up, again, like I, I said before, I feel like I saw this already in Tyrant. Now, I get the Tyrant came after the premiere of this show. So maybe they actually stole some of their concept for their titles from this, but it just didn't wow me. I, I I don't know why I expected something more. I think perhaps artistic, perhaps this is too literal for me. The original concept for the title sequence was to have a Raven flying from city to city because what they needed to do is they needed to establish distance. They needed to establish scale and placement because there are people that are literally thousands of miles from each other in the first episode. You know, and and time-wise, during just during the first episode, there it, it's over a month passes mm-hmm. in just that one episode. And you don't really realize it because without looking without watching the title sequence, you don't realize that King's Landing is a literally a thousand miles from Winterfell. Yeah, I mean... And then it's, it's another couple hundred miles to the wall. They always do subtle clues, but Richard, you should just get real comfortable with the fact that Game of Thrones is real loose with the passage of time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just own it now. <laughs> uh, but you can see yeah, it right, in the I dire wolves getting bigger, right? So that's yep. really your only clue. And then, like, you, you get some clues later. Um, okay, so uh, basically uh, what happens is... Uh, this really great guy named Boromir, uh, I mean, Eddard Ned Stark, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is a really nice guy. He's got a bunch of really nice kids, most of which are like totally his and his wife's, one of whom isn't. Uh, they're mm. living this happy totally life in the freezing place, <laughs> right? 
And then you get about like five minutes of things are going well. And then all hell breaks loose and continues to break loose for the next hundred episodes or whatever. Not even that many episodes. It's 70. (laughs) We get 10 minutes, maybe five minutes of just a nice view of these people. What nice people these are. Well, except for the bastard because nobody likes him. (laughs) That's my knowing laugh. (laughs) Well, okay. So a few things about, about how they shoot this beginning part of Winterfell. First of all, they shot it in a parking lot. Everything was was in a in a mall parking lot, and they just covered up all the stores with all the walls and things like that that you see of Winterfell are actually actually frontages in place to cover the storefronts. Oh, dude, you are ruining it for me. You're <laughs> you're spoiling the magic. But they only had a limited space, and what they did is they used every angle of that of the scenes that they built, and it really shows you how big Winterfell is, even though it's tiny. In, you know, in, yeah. in, in no, actuality. Job. Um, and I really, I really like the fact that this first 10 minutes, it, it establishes the Stark family as kind of the center characters of the story. Yeah. And that will continue on even though some of the Starks don't. And it's, it, it gets really, at some points you start to wonder, is Spoilers? it really? Spoilers? That's one. I'm going to keep oh. a spoiler count. Hold on. Where's my pen? <laughs> Every time we spoil we Richard a- just a little. So uh, let that be known. Episode one. Spoiler number one. Uh, a soft spoiler, though. That was, that was very They're all going to be soft. They're going to be soft-boiled egg spoilers. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> But it really establishes the Starks as the center family, and and the fact that the the king is coming to the Starks and not the other way around, it, it, at least in the the ethos of the of the story, helps establish that as well. Yeah, and yeah, I think also you've really got Ned point. being all nice, even though he's chopping off somebody's head. Uh, you've got him, you know, uh, listening and and agreeing to take in these dire wolves. Like we can't go through every single thing that happens in here. We'll be here for seventy five hours, but like. He a they are trusting your your uh, previously held Sean Bean awe to establish this character. It's like if what Boromir had had a nice dad, this is what he would have been. This is of course Boromir from the movie adaptation of the Lord of the Rings, who I will refer to incessantly because uh, <laughs> I like those movies. But uh, you've got you're basically your fairly traditional medievalish. Britishish stuff going on and it's all by the way tracking pretty faithfully with the book they make one little interesting change which I really like which is they stick with Westeros which is the name of this giant continent right up until King Robert the Fat uh, Robert Baratheon uh, <laughs> starts worrying about this little girl and her brother who live across the sea and that's mm-hmm. when I think yeah. things get really different Right? Like, we are entirely in, like, medieval paradigm for the first, what, 20 minutes of the episode? And then all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. it's something, like, far more exotic. What do you think, Richard? Well, if you consider a brother, presumably a prince, stooping his sister on screen, then yeah, far more exotic. I guess it didn't start that way, but the interaction that they had between each other, at least I should say the liberties that he took 
There's in a little bit of fondling. The way that he interacted yeah, heavy with her. fondling. Mm-hmm. Suggested Yeah. Suggested a little bit more was going on there than one might expect. But hey, this is HBO, so within within like just a couple minutes we get breasts and incest. Right there, no problem. And I guess with the, I should just get used to that because that's going to be thematic. I, I I can I'm pretty sure from what I saw in just that first episode that we're going to see a bunch of yeah. that. Well, one one of the things was if you if you watch that that scene, knowing how things are going going to go out, Viserys really treats Daenerys as as property. He's actually it's not a it's not a a, a sexual attraction. It's more of a evaluation of livestock yeah. you know and and but that is his sister right yes and, and and that continues throughout their story together that he is constantly he sees her as property as, as something yeah, exactly something for him to barter you know away. and as a lady i'm totally cool with that and had no props with it whatsoever the first time i saw it <laughs> i'm sure it was fine you know i didn't mind it was okay so um yeah immediately after that scene uh you know they 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 talk about drogo is you know he's he's coming and you have to be impressive and and this is your one shot to make me proud sister and and that kind of stuff then they cut to more go go back to winterfell and one of the things that I, i wanted to note on here i specifically wrote it down was there's a moment where Arya runs into the formation when when the king and everybody else is coming into Winterfell and Arya looks at the hound and he's got his, his big helmet on his big dog helmet and it cuts back to her and she's almost in admiration of him. Oh, I didn't and notice that. that. Yeah. It's there's, there's a certain little part of it and you know, knowing in the future how things turn out for certain people, that one look right there kind of changed a certain dynamic of that, of their relationship once they actually start talking. Yeah. And other things, Richard, that, um, Certain, there are a lot of things that will become important later. Like the first time I rewatched this episode, I was just struck by a number of things, which is, and I won't say who, but how many characters never see each other again after this first episode? Right. How many characters hmm. talk to each other in this episode in which those conversations will be important? I'm not even kidding you. Seven seasons later. And it's yeah. just... Well, and that's just awesome oh, storytelling. It's just so great because it's, it's fun in and of itself to watch certain people talk to each other with, you know, callous disregard or brutal honesty or what caring or whatever it is. <laughs> but, man, will that come back later. And it's just like a joy to watch. It really is. Um, that's cool. Especially once we get into the next episode, episode two, there's not a scene in episode two that doesn't foreshadow a major event. Yeah. In the story, wait, wait, wait. So we're cool. not there yet, right? No, no, no not yet. We're not there yet. Um, my, we my... need to be time wise, but <laughs> yeah. we're not there yet. All right, so let's just wrap up this episode by saying you've got uh, stuff happening in the West, stuff happening in the East, and sort of like the foreign East. Um, you've got, I think, what could only be described as an absolutely stunning number of characters introduced i mean like could you name a single one richard if you really had to right now so the only person that i can really name is Tyrion. okay okay that's who stuck out for you 
Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of people who did. I wrote some names down. I don't know if I'm going to pronounce them right. We didn't even mention, like, you know, there's the evil brother and sister, and then there's the handsome brother and sister who you want to believe aren't evil because, you know, they look good. <laughs> and so, you know, they're they're a part of presumably this royal family, and and we we didn't really find out a whole lot about them, but apparently they like to have sex with each other too. Yes, <laughs> woe is me if I skip that part. Uh, uh, you that's know, a thing. so like you know, when you ride a thousand miles north to to your husband's buddy's house, the first thing you're definitely going to do is sneak up to a tower and bork your brother. <laughs> yeah, like that seems totally reasonable to me as a member of present day society (laughs) absolutely absolutely and one more thing remind me the wedding to uh drago drogo was not in this episode was it no 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 that's in the beginning in the next next one this this time he just comes up he evaluates her essentially and then rides away and it's left to say well did he approve you know asking yeah, uh, did he approve? If he didn't, they wouldn't be there anymore. Right, exactly. Uh, and and by the yeah. way, that okay. that whole scene was shot in a real palace in Spain. Mm. Oh, yeah, cool. So it's cool. It's an actual place you can visit. It's one of the many. Nice. So one more thing I want to mention before we leave here. One of the opening scenes, in fact, I think it was the opening scene after the titles, was the boy climbing up. The building, or maybe he was climbing down after seeing the guys that were coming in after seeing the evil force. Yeah. Like they were, they were coming toward the uh, the village, and he goes climbing down and everything. And his mother catches him and says, "I don't want you climbing again." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Oh, that's got to be foreshadowing." <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right, and, it, and so sure enough, before even the end of the episode, the brother and sister, Cersei, is that how you pronounce his name? Her. Cersei, right? The sister? Cersei, Cersei, Cersei Lannister? Yeah, yeah. Cersei I mean, or Cersei. So Cersei is the woman and Jaime, or Jamie? Jamie, yeah. Yep. Jamie's the man. Jamie yep. is the man. Okay, so uh, Jamie ends up basically like pushing him off, and so the episode ends, and you're like, oh shit, he's dead. And now that's yeah. actually that's actually a point they they pushed on it a little harder in the books, I believe. I, I, to my memory, she mentions it to him like three times before before that actually happens. Yeah, and in the books, uh, it's really interesting the amount of time they take and how much more efficiently television does it. And you got to give it to the showrunners of this show. They are good translators. Mm. I I give them a lot of Mm -hmm. credit for all the guff they're going to take later for a bunch of things. Like they get a lot of credit for effortlessly slicing and dicing a lot of information into something that might even possibly be understandable to a first time viewer. I mean, there's just a lot going on. Like you got two people in a crypt reliving their entire history from like the moment that they were fostered by the guy who's dead. And one of them was almost going to marry the sister of one of them, but then she died and he wanted to kill the guy who, who (laughs) absconded with her instead. And he dreams about killing her every night. And this is all in like one scene. Yeah. And you're just like, Oh, okay. And, and it's funny in the book, I won't go into it, 
but boy, are they so much more detailed about certain levels of foreshadowing involving the color of people's hair, the color of people's eyes, Mm -hmm. uh, the names of people, what they look like. And it's really quite stunning because really in the book, you're even if you're reading the book for the first time, you're even more lost than if you were watching the TV show for the first time. They're just like uh, the the first chapter is like a thousand names. <laughs> this uh this episode is a great litmus test for the show. Like mm-hmm. if you can't halfway keep up with this episode, you are not mentally prepared for the rest of the show. Yeah, <laughs> like, that is well. Correct. I I mean I did feel like. There was a lot going on, but I just had to go with it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I just felt like, you know what? I'm not going to catch it all now. Eventually, I'll trust that they'll properly introduce me to these people so that I better understand what's right. going on. And and I'll, I'll tell you that I've seen the first episode probably three times. And this is the first time that I noticed certain things because this is the first time I watched it critically when I was actually trying to really pay attention to the small details so we could talk about it on this on this show. And I learned things on my fourth viewing that that I'd never caught during the first three. There, this, there's so much packed into this episode. Oh man, it, it's really amazing. All right, and uh, I, ha- I have yeah. to mention my favorite scene. It's a scene where Ned has made the decision internally to go and be the king's hand and go down to King's Landing, and um, uh, Meister Lewin and Catalin are behind him. They're all facing the camera, and Ned is in the middle. And uh, Meister Lewin is on one side, and Catalin is on the other side. Like they're they're the good devil or the good the angel and the devil on his shoulders. Mm. And the way the scene is is framed is just beautiful, and it repeats like three more times throughout the series, where you have a central character, and then on either side of them in the background over their shoulder are the good and the bad ideas behind it. That's really amazing because I remember that happening now that you say it and i thought it was interesting that he was getting different perspectives in each ear but it didn't occur me occur to me exactly what that was referencing that's brilliant mm. who do you think richard is the most important character in this first episode oh yes good question ooh it, wow if you had to pick a central uh, well, a central character i want to say john snow because he's he seems like the outcast and and i think a, in most good stories the outcast ends up being way more important than most people might expect mm. perceptive all right good um now anthony who knowing everything that you do who to you in this episode is the most important or memorable after after a rewatch of uh, knowing the whole season mm and There's I don't nothing... think it's spoilery. I just think it's like, who do you stands out with all that you know now? I, oh man. I, I didn't expect you to ask me that particular I know. question. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good question. Damn, damn media people. Um, I, for whatever reason, even in this, the first time I watched the show and as I was reading the books and everything else, the one character that always stood out at me that was always just different enough that I knew they were special. I just didn't know how special they were until further, until things, you know, developed, um, is Arya. Yeah. She's, she's always been like, there's, and, and 
there's no hint of her having any kind of special powers or anything stupid like that. It's just something about the way uh, the way the characters played, the way it's portrayed in the books, and just how when she's on scene, she's the center of that scene every single time. Yep. Something about that. Something about Arya just just and always strikes me like that. All the people that we are um, sort of led to believe are the moral stand-ups love her, and mm. and. And that's evident just from a watching of this episode. So, uh, all right. So we could still talk about this forever and we probably will refer back to it. But for now, let us cross the river on the bridge that Hoster Tully has let us cross uh, and <laughs> go over to episode two. Oh, okay. So episode two, the first thing you find out, if I remember correctly, is that Bran didn't die. Right. Wait, he survived? <laughs> well, he's he's not Watched dead. episode two, right? The, the... Right, but that was my first reaction. Oh. Was <laughs> he survived? Yeah. Yeah. And you, you don't you don't know what state he's in. He's in a he's in a in a coma, assumedly. Um and it's it's kind of the whole the whole demeanor of Winterfell as a whole changed. It's now this dour construct. And in Winterfell itself, if you notice the differences between scene one or uh, episode one, episode two, in episode one, Winterfell, the land is is still green, it's still vibrant. It's cold. Everybody's wearing furs, but it's cold, but it's vibrant. It's green. And the difference between that and episode two, if you watch them back to back, episode two is noticeably snowier. It's mm-hmm. noticeably noticeably colder. And I think that that really sets the tone just from you seeing the brand. You know, you're left with at the, at the end of the first episode of the brand just kind of falling and just okay. Well, that's well, that's that. Yeah, and and again, this episode is just insanely noticeable, even more so than the first one, uh, for the partings of people who will never see each other again. Right, or or will who who will meet. <laughs> Because some people are, yeah, me. some people part ways, <laughs> and others team up, like yeah. you know, um, and, and they go together in certain places. But knowing later on that, the, just the foreshadowing of this episode, every scene in this episode is foreshadowing major events later on. Um, okay, so basically, am I correct in saying? And I'm looking at a recap here. I'm not going to lie. Game of Thrones Wikia dot com, uh, which I'm we're going to be looking at a lot. It, this scene does actually start across the sea in Essos, right? I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. So basically you've got this guy, this old 40-year-old guy, friend of the family named Jorah Mormont, uh, and he is the one person who's nice to uh, Daenerys Targaryen, who's having mm-hmm. a little trouble with her saddle. Uh, I, I actually took a note last time in the last episode that Viserys is noticeably threatened by Jorah Mormont. Oh, yeah presence when he comes up and presents his uh, his gifts of books to her for the wedding yeah because this this young lady has never been allowed to be independent and has always been under her brother's don't don't wake the dragon bullshit thumb uh <laughs> and uh and jorah represents some sort of like you know friend of your father who's kind of hot and uh seems nice to you uh <laughs> Well, he rep- he represents the old world because yeah. he's he's from Winterfell actually. Yeah. No, he's um, from Bear Island. 
Which is which is part, part of, of the Winterfell. north. Okay, I'll give you that. Yeah. he's from the north. It's fine. He, he may not be from the city of Winterfell, but yeah. he's from, from the land of Winterfell. He he represents good in this in in the limited narrow space of the world we have been taught. Jorah comes from the place that we have most seen most of the quote good people come from. Right. Um. So and to top it all off, he yeah. brings books. Yeah. <laughs> um. So okay. Then now Richard. Uh, we're back in Winterfell, right? We're watching uh, all of these people uh, freak out about poor Bran. And you've got this scene with the prince, Joffrey. What are your, what's your take on our friend Joffrey here? I'm trying to remember who Joffrey well, is. Well, that's a good jo- start. He's <laughs> blonde and a little bit pouty. Uh, he's the okay. the prince who will be king of the whole place at some point. He, he's he's crown prince. Oh oh oh! What a, you know? It's funny. I didn't even I didn't even put him in my notes because he just strikes me as an obnoxious spoiled brat who obviously has gotten everything that he wants and has no clue about what real life is. And I love. I just love how when, for a moment, he's put at a disadvantage, he becomes a crying baby. (laughs) Yeah. And really, like, I think we've already gone too long in this episode without talking about how amazing, from the very start, Peter Dinklage is as Tyrion Lannister, and how much he commands the space of the chaotic, neutral um force right like well educated but beholden to his family but not really but also just the smartest guy in the room and and the Mm -hmm. best actor really if you think about it like boy he is just like in that role from the beginning and and i remember back when the show first premiered like and everybody was talking about the boobs and the incest but they were also talking about peter dinklage and what a revelation he was in this role Mm mm-hmm yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing that's amazing there is like he he plays this character so well because you feel like and it seems like the natural reaction that you should kind of not like him because he's a playboy and he's irresponsible while everybody else is trying to, you know, be with the family and and comfort them and everything and then it turns out that he probably has the better world perspective on everything mm. and is in many ways more genuine than anyone else that you've seen so far. At least that's how they're that that's how he's portrayed right now. And I think that's amazing. And I also love that like he he comes from this place where look I know what it's like to be put down. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I've had to overcome that my entire life and he's stronger as a result of that. So I, he's by far the person or the character that I like the most in the two episodes that I've watched. One of the things that really gets me about, uh, about Tyrion is you have the, my- the, the Meisters, the, these people that study their entire lives to learn the secrets of the known world and, and some of the secrets of the unknown world, and they gather all this knowledge. And it's, it's not only their occupation, but it's what they dedicate their lives to. And then you have Tyrion, 
who actually reads and acquires knowledge for fun and entertainment <laughs> right. and, and to use it for his own his own gain. Where, and it's not Which almost no one else in the whole country has the time to do. Right. It's like this complete he just happens to be in the right place at the right time with the right ailment that allows him this luxury of learning at will. Yeah. And it's it's in st- such stark contrast to to the 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 citadel and the meisters and this knowledge this library knowledge that that you know shares out. Um so basically like there's a lot of goodbyes, right? And they're all sad and they're sad in retrospect and they're kind of sad in the moment and it's like scene after scene of goodbyes, but the the most important goodbye is when uh Ned Stark says goodbye to Jon Snow. And Jon asks mm. one more time, like, who's my mom? Is she alive? Does she know I'm going to the wall? Does she care mm-hmm. about me? And uh, Ned Stark says, I'll tell you next time. Yeah. And and again, the foreshadowing, that sets up an amazing scene later on uh, in this in this season, actually, where you realize the gravity of of everything being said and that just that little scene, that little cutaway where they go separate ways. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, note that for later, Richard. Yeah. <laughs> I also think, I mean, they made a, an unsurprising big deal about him choosing to leave his wife to go to wherever it is they're going. Mm. And, and she's obviously not happy about it, but acknowledges that you know kind of against her will that uh, okay he's resigned to doing this and whether that's as big a separation or not as far as the future of the story goes i don't know but it seemed like they made a big deal about that and it didn't surprise me yeah yeah i i was actually more surprised at her reaction to uh catalan's reaction to um, John Snow and John came to say goodbye to Bran, and that I, like you even reading the books, you knew there was some tension there, and you knew there's a backstory and everything else. It just seemed almost out of character for for Catelyn, knowing knowing how how her story develops as well. You know, it's just it's man, the one time that, she's that mean. Harsh. Yeah, the, exactly, and she's really really mean. Yeah, and that came out of left field for me. Like I don't really understand it enough to know why that happened. Well, last time Ned left, he came back with a son and then that son comes in as she has a son dying in a bed. So I can understand how that, you know, the, the, the eruption of emotion and how that's kind of all coalescing at one place, but it's just so out of character for her. Yeah. Um, By the way, this is what a month after the episode started. Uh yeah, roughly. Yeah, well, yeah, because yeah. she's when when Ned actually leaves, Catelyn says it's it's you're it's only been a month since he's been he's been laying here or whatever, and they're like, well, you know, it might be time to start letting him go. And she said, well, she was talking to Rob. She said, I'll I'll wait. You know, it's only been a month or whatever. So right, it's it's only been a month that he's been lying here with no sustenance whatsoever because he's in a coma. Can I remind people that a human cannot live for a month without water? They actually cover that in the books. <laughs> no, I, I don't remember that. Jenny? What did they say? I must have been reading um, fast. 
Meister Lewin goes in there with uh, with honey drops and water and like this these basic basic necessities. It's it's just one little blurb in there, hmm. but I think I think he comes in so that Catelyn can leave and she's gonna and he's gonna feed Bran at the same time. And he, he had the honey drops and whatever. Yeah, it's best you could just and so you could what put a thing down his throat. We're getting off topic. Um, you could yeah. keep him alive, and also maybe he's special. <laughs> He might be special. I don't know because, you know, he did that thing where he woke up when something happened to one of the wolves. So, so since you, you since you mentioned it, that could be, I just want to say it's really the first episode ends with Bran dying. Of course, I mean, because you don't know he survived. He, he, Bran dies at the end of the first episode. Another Stark, Lady Stark, the, the dog dies at the end of the second episode. Like there, it's developing a trend of these Starks dying very quickly. Now Bran wakes back up, and and Lady has her own story. But you know that's it's it starts these things. They're like, whoa, what is going on? Yeah, they they they're yeah. establishing real yeah. quick that ain't nobody safe. Dogs, <laughs> direwolves. <laughs> the other thing that I just want to say is I think the the relationship they have with the wolves is very interesting. I don't know how far they go with that. But they establish in this episode very clearly that they have a very tight relationship and uh, that the wolves have some sort of kind of empathic relationship with the humans. And while they won't act on command, as they demonstrate, (laughs) they will jump without hesitation to defend the humans. Right. And and that that really starts with the uh with the assassination attempt on Bran. That scene going into that when uh, when Rob's in there in the in the tower and he's talking about oh there's a fire and you know cuz she's she's Catelyn's pissed off because the dogs won't stop barking and this and that. Rob looks out the window and says it's a fire and he goes off. That scene with the, the assassin coming in and trying to trying to kill Bran and, and trying to kill Catelyn as well in, in the in the in the mm-hmm. sidelines or whatever, um, really took me by surprise, and that seemed to me that hey, there's something like he didn't just this wasn't just one person like there's there's a major force on the other side of the Starks that's that's opposing the Starks. Maybe maybe it's Jamie and, and Cersei. Maybe it's something more, but something's definitely there. I assumed it was Jamie and Cersei. I uh, yeah, I like to call this episode Catelyn Stark Ace Detective. <laughs> because she is just like on it. She's got the forensics. She assembles a team, uh, you know, of prosecutors. Like she makes yeah. a plan. Like this lady is no joke. She is really yeah. like the, yeah. the moral center of this episode for sure. Mm. Uh, and she's in charge. Like she starts it very weak, and then her her mommy protectiveness is roused, and she. She she focuses up, and I I really like it as a choice, right? Um, and of George R. R. Martin's, uh, and then on the other hand, you've got like it's such an interesting contrast between these two women because you've got strong and homely Catelyn Stark. I'm not saying she's homely, but I'm saying like, you know, like she is like in the hell charge, and then you've got Daenerys on the other right. side of the world who's being, you know, raped by uh, her husband, deflowered in the wide open. Uh, being attended to by her handmaids and who all know more than she does about dragons, which is insane. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, basically just, 
you know, getting run through in every way possible. Uh, and and it's a it's a really smart contrast, I guess, is what I would say. Mm. And, and that that kind of continues for a while too. Mm-hmm. It, it as, as you know, as they they their lives kind of shift as the story goes along in sync with each other. Yeah. I didn't even realize that until you just mentioned. I didn't it. realize amazing. it until I just mentioned That's really it. That's interesting. It's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those amazing things that you're just like, hey, wait, no, wait a second. Um, and then yeah. I guess I like that. Yeah. Well, and I want to be, I want to take that one step further because while you say that, you know, uh, Caitlin takes kind of control and uh, moves forward and starts like, you know, doing her thing, I kind of feel like that's the same for the other woman too. For that Daenerys. this was the episode where she, after talking with the 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 maidens or whatever they are. That she decided, all right, I'm going to take control of the situation. I'm going to use what I have available to me to basically take over and uh, be in control of the situation. And I I had a lot of respect for that. I thought that was actually a really cool twist. That is a fair mm. and excellent point. It's it's just hard because she... Um... She starts at a point of greater disadvantage, but you're right. She is absolutely the moment she's married to Drogo, she's essentially out from under her douchebag brother's thumb, and she's making very small steps in the direction of taking control of her life. And not and yes. not to mention, she once will be equal with Aquaman. <laughs> oh, I mean Drogo. And, and and don't forget that <laughs> when she turns the tide on Drogo when they're in bed that night, she's literally risking her life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To 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 make that stand and to make that jump and it's it's not a small feat. Yeah, I mean uh, Daenerys's arc. Uh, we could have a conversation later, like at the end of season one. We can have a conversation about who's arced the most uh, mm. in this season alone. And uh, I'm I'm definitely obviously going to nominate Daenerys Targaryen just on these two episodes <laughs> alone. So uh, yeah, she's um. she's an impressive uh, character. Okay, and my my non spoilery spoiler for the episode. This is the episode where Arya's list begins. Mm. This is this is when the first name hits her list, and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah, knowing 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 how that comes out, it's especially yeah. It, oh man, that's just that was such a when that hit me, like I got chills. I was like, oh. Oh, that's where it starts right is there. That, that's where the list is. There's a real advantage in having what at that point four or five books worth of ahead, you know, future knowledge to play on because <laughs> yeah. wow, they are. But but they play it. Maisie Williams plays the part, and you can see yep. it in in her character's face. Even though at that time the I, I, one of the books hadn't even been released, right? I mean, she, she is. Oh my, yeah. Just the the actors. Can we just can we just mention the other actors real mm. quick? Like, uh, like, like Maisie Williams playing Arya, like she's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and I uh, love. Um, I mean, I hate all the little whiny brats, uh, which at this point would include Sansa and Joffrey, and mm-hmm. you know, in some senses, Cersei. Before you really get 
a, a deeper glimpse into her character. She's pretty much just always bitching about something or another. And <laughs> the scene... How can you hate Sarah Connor? I know. Come on. She's a bad bitch. <laughs> Remember that episode of the Sarah Connor Chronicles? Matt and I made fun of that for years. But uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it is a hard bunch of scenes to watch there at the crossroads because your sense of mm. justice, which has been so primed in episodes one and the first half of this episode with the Starks, like you are firmly rooted in in Winterfellian justice. And the second mm-hmm. they get on the road, it's like, good luck. Bye-bye, wolves. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and by the way, the crossroads, the inn at the crossroads mm-hmm. reappears in the TV show. It appears more in the books, but it, it reappears in the TV show at least five times that I can remember offhand to include the first episode of the seventh season. Yeah. Like it, it's it, that that one location, it's constantly reused. Like it's the literal center of Westeros. Yeah. And uh, you know, uh, bad things happen to the wolves, which sucks because they don't yeah. deserve it. And 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 it's Ned Stark's first indication that if it's this bad on the road, wait till he gets to King's Landing. I mean, it's really like right. You can see like one. It's just it's just sad. It makes me sad. This is the first time he questions his honor and his and his his vow, and and it, that only increases as things go along. Yeah, and you know what? Brand's awake. What can you say? Right. How how was that for you, Richard? When you when you saw the the cut scene from Lady getting her little throat slit to Brand waking up? That was actually. A really hard scene for me. I I looked away when he dove the blade in, and then they cut to the uh, they t- cut to Bran's room, and the other wolf is the first thing that you see, and you feel like there's going to be a connection there, but in fact, no, the connection is somehow perhaps with Bran, and I think that was really cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I, I like how they allude to it, but they didn't actually like. It, even to this day, it's still not defined. So <laughs> they definitely didn't give you too much at that point. Anyway, we could have talked about any number of different scenes in this episode, but really, um, the the key point is once you're out of Winterfell, you watch out. Um, so yeah. uh, in the future, in the future of these shows. Uh, we will be taking your emails and tweets and some such um, as soon as we get an email address. So hold this place here uh, and let us know what you think of the show, of the Game of Thrones, of the books, where you are on the spectrum of knowledge when it comes to Westeros and Essos and the Song of Ice and Fire. And uh, you know what? Thanks for thanks for gutting it out with us. Uh, that's uh, Richard of uh, River Run. Uh, Sir Anthony of Winterfell and me, Jenny of Tart. Uh, more thrones, please. More thrones.